Hello, everyone. We are back with episode two for The Blending Corner. And today we are going to talk about the different models that you might see of blended learning within elementary classrooms. I am back with my two fabulous co-hosts, Ashley and Dan, and we are going to dive right in to not only give you the models, but also our opinion and some research about each model. And just to kind of preface it before we start, there are many different models of blended learning and there's no one size fits all model of blended learning. It's important to pick the model that implements the best in your classroom based on your classroom practices and just the way that it fits your classroom the best. So let's get right into it and talk about the first model of blended learning, station rotation. Station rotation is where students move through different stations in a brick and mortar setting, uh, in a brick and mortar environment on a fixed schedule. So think about like your literacy workshop or guided reading, things like that. One of the stations would contain some form of student-led online learning. Uh, and due to many schools and district, districts taking on computer-based assessments to test their students, many classrooms are working towards utilizing the data from those assessments to determine the path of intervention within the online center. So for example, like some form of adaptive program like iReady or Lexia would be used as data to drive your small group instruction. Uh, schools and districts will need to spend more time upfront to identify those tools that are evidence-based and that'll best help teachers to analyze the data. Yeah, and then our next model is the lab rotation. So this rotation involves two people being in the classroom. You need the classroom teacher, but you're also going to need some sort of paraprofessional because both the teacher and the paraprofessional will be facilitating and monitoring student learning in this lab rotation. The teacher will be instructing students directly in the classroom through whole group instruction at all the core subjects. Then the paraprofessional will pull some kids into the computer lab and monitor and support those students with individualized learning, particularly around reading and math. So kind of think about, you know, the teachers in the classroom, you're doing a typical whole group lesson in all areas. But as we know, in education, math and reading tend to be the hot topics. So a lot of instructional time is placed on that. So then for kids who need additional help or even just on a schedule, the paraprofessional pulls these kids and they're doing work outside the classroom in a lab. And this allows for the students to rotate through the stations on a fixed schedule, except the online learning is taking place in a dedicated computer lab, which separates it from the station rotation model, which takes place exclusively in the classroom. And this model allows for more one-to-one -one time with students and teachers based on the needs and the learning paths of those individual students. A little bit like the lab rotation is we have individual rotation next. Um, this can happen also in a computer lab, or sometimes you do see a sort of a lab set up in a classroom that it can happen on. 
um, students rotate through stations, but based on their individual schedules and individual needs. Um, depending on how the student performed the previous day, their work is adjusted to kind of what they will complete the next day. So each day, it's almost like reassessed to see what skills they need to work on now. Most of the time, um, kids are spending time on the computer, which is uh, a little different than uh, what people might be used to these days. And which also would not suggest in an elementary kindergarten classroom. Um, but most of the time, kids are completing work only on a computer, but they do happen to get pulled for small groups. So they do still have that differentiation, like we've talked about before, um, to work on their specific needs. But then outside of the time from the small group, they are back on the computer completing some work. And the thing we want to uh, emphasize on both of these previous two models for lab rotation and individual rotation is that they are happening still at a brick and mortar setting. And that kind of brings us to the next uh, blended learning model, which is the flipped classroom, where students are receiving basically their core content and complete their base learning at home on computers, as opposed to the other models that we were talking about, which was happening usually at like a school. And this one, the students come to school with basic knowledge and prepared questions of what they are learning. So again, everything is, all of their instruction mostly is happening at home through online content. And then the, they come to the school, the brick and mortar location, and they are being facilitated. The teacher is more of the facilitator of this process. When they're at school, the focus is on the teacher through guided practices, and they complete project-based learning at the school as opposed to receiving their core content. And teachers are viewed more as the facilitator as opposed to just doing lead uh, instruction most of the time. I think one thing to add to that, um model is that that takes a certain amount of accountability for a student, right, to make sure that they're doing what they need to do at home and that, I mean, you have a parent there to help keep them accountable because if they come in not completing the work, it's kind of like, mm -hmm. okay, so you're just kind of on, on a pause because you have to teach them the stuff while also still completing the stuff you needed this, to complete. This flipped classroom um, is pretty made obvious. It's not going to be <laughs> best used in a K-2 setting <laughs> because of the fact that it's going to require a lot of self-direction and the teachers are more the facilitators and the students are doing most of their learning on their own time. Yeah, and kind of to speak to that, I also think in some ways, a lot of families rely on the schools. They need us to because they are at work, they can't be there at home with their student all day. And they need the schools for food, they need, they just need a lot of resources from the school. And also kind of similar to what you were saying, Dan and Lena, second graders, kindergartners and first graders, they are not self motivated, they are just no, learning how to learn. They can't, they almost don't have this, this model is super cool particularly in a middle and high school setting, but in a lower elementary setting, it just doesn't work because these students can't, they're just learning to generate questions. They can't do all this work at home and then bring the questions they need. They still need us to help them figure out 
how to express their learning and how to ask questions. So the next, uh, the next model we would be talking about would be the flex model, if I remember correctly in our list of models. Um, Ashley, did you wanna talk about what the flex model is? Yeah, absolutely. The flex model is when teachers use a LMS or a learning management system, and there's many learning management systems out there that you can pick from. And really when it comes to an LMS, it's just picking the one that works best for your classroom and your students. And on that LMS, you are going to place curriculum on there and the students work through the curriculum at their own pace. And as students are working through the curriculum at their own pace, teachers are pulling students for social times, intervention groups, individualized direct instruction, science lab, et cetera, as needed based on the needs of each individual student. We have two more models to talk about. Um, the second to last one is a la carte. And I think with this one, it's definitely more so for high school students, but I think it's also um, very unique in the fact of how it's kind of presented. So students take online classes as well with a teacher, as well as face-to-face -face classes, right? So they get to pick which classes they would like to take online and which classes they would like to take face-to-face. It's so unique because thinking of myself in high school, right? If you were just whatever situation might kind of come across for your family dynamic or whatever it might be, or if maybe you don't need as much support in a certain area, um, it would be nice to take those classes virtual or remotely or at home and then kind of go into the building for what classes that you need. Yeah, that's, and that's, and of course, that's definitely going to require somebody that has built those uh, academic skills yeah. and the self-motivation skills, which you are not going to see in a uh, early elementary or even an upper elementary setting. So again, the a la carte uh, model is mostly for high school. And even with that, you have to be a special type of high schooler yeah. to be able to do that. Because thinking of myself, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd love to take a class so I could sleep in a little bit longer. Yeah. I could take a nap in the afternoon. This is my class <laughs> where I just kind of uh, hang out at home. And <laughs> right. So it definitely does take a special kind of person to be able to complete that. But then on the flip side, it's also nice because that is what's best for some students. So having the option there um, really helps serve more students um, and what they need. So the last model is called the enriched virtual model. The primary method is through a virtual format at home, but students are allowed to attend a school on a limited basis. Uh, think, you kind of think of this as like a um, homeschool type of program. In some states they have this uh, this version. Um, it's not really relevant, again, in elementary classrooms as much, but can be very beneficial, again, to high school students who may be working multiple jobs uh, or enrolled in internships or are even taking care of family members for whatever reason. Um, although not very relevant, it could be adapted to a middle school or elementary setting in certain circumstances. Uh, students who do not thrive in a traditional classroom setting may excel in this type of environment for so the students that, again, they, they don't want to sit there all day listening to a teacher, but they, are, they can be self-motivated and they can be flexible enough to 
learn at their own pace, this might be a option for them. Yeah. And actually, as you guys already know, and now our audience knows, I was homeschooled K-12 my entire career. And I just kind of look back on my mom and some of the other homeschool families that I knew who the parent really struggled to teach them certain subjects. So having this model available would have been really nice because my mom was really good at teaching math, but I graduated high school barely being able to write a paper because my mom did not have the skills to write papers herself. So to be able to have taken advantage of this kind of model when I was in high school would have been really nice because then I could have still been homeschooled, still have done my own thing, but then gotten help in the areas that were an area of need for me. Yeah, that is a good point. And so, so oh, go ahead, Dan. I, I was just going to say, um, and the, these kind of models, if you think about it, are very, fairly new. Because a lot of what a lot of what is entailed in these models require a lot of connectivity and require a lot of uh, bandwidth that hasn't been available up even up until very recently, and um, even in some areas and some districts still don't have the kind of access that some of these models are required or that re- that these models require. So it's going to be interesting to see how these models. Um, evolve and adapt as technology becomes more and more advanced. Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys are interested in learning more about these models of blended learning, you should check out um, blendedlearning.org. This is where we got all of the source information on these models. And this website has graphics and it also has a plethora of other resources on blended learning if you are interested in learning more about these models. All right, the million dollar question that our audience has been waiting for. What do you guys think is the best model for an elementary or even an early elementary classroom? Well, of course it's station rotation. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we do stations all the time in you know kindergarten first second grade but now with the now with like online learning coming into focus we can just you can start out with just introducing one station as the you know the seesaw station or whatever program that you choose to use and go from there the station rotation model would be very would definitely be best for an early elementary classroom yeah and what's nice is as we help our students gain more technology skills and just integrate that into our classroom more, then we can build on what you were saying, Dan, and extend it further Mm -hmm. into deeper learning through technology. But this station rotation model is a great way to start integrating it because many teachers, as you said, are already familiar with this. Um, something else that I was thinking of and that it's probably not only, um, best for students is that it's probably best for teachers too, right? Think of all the teachers that are reluctant to using technology in the classroom. And they're like, I have to do this, or I have to do this, or I have to do this, but like, okay, we can break it down for you. You just have this one spot, right. That you have to add it in to begin with. And then not only as the students get more comfortable, but also as the 
teachers get more comfortable, right? They can then work on their skills with it. Um, so then they kind of feel better about it too. Yeah. And also, uh, Duma had a great educational article on Edutopia that talks about station rotation model. And that author talks about how the station rotation model allows teachers to have a variety of activities aligned to learning goals and break up the class into smaller groups so we can cl more closely monitor their progress as students are actively engaged in the content on their computers and online. Well, thank you guys very much for listening today as we discuss the different models of blended learning. Um, the next episode, we will discuss some of the benefits and drawbacks of blended of the blended learning model and how it may affect your classroom. And remember, if you're not blending, your classroom is ending.